Welcome to Worldview from WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. It's World Fair Trade Day. I'm at the celebration of Fair Trade Day this year on Michigan Avenue. It's called the Magnificent Mile of Fair Trade. We're going to talk about all manner of ethical commerce today, talk with some good global citizens fighting child labor, and luxuriate in the warm, loving kindness of slow fashion. Don't forget you can join us on Twitter at WBEZ Worldview. Fair Trade Day is celebrated around the world, but our celebration in Chicago is probably the biggest in this country. There's been panel discussions this morning. Students from St. Athanasius in Evanston are out on Michigan Avenue handing out Fair Trade chocolate samples and information. And we're going to visit with them in just a little bit. There's also a Fair Trade fashion show here at the Fourth Presbyterian Church on Michigan Avenue. If you're in the area around 115, drop by and see the fashion show. As always, the festivities for World Fair Trade Day are produced by Chicago Fair Trade. Catherine Bissell Cordova is here. Great to see you. Good to see you, Jerome. This is super fun. This is really different. Yes, it is. We changed it up big time this year. We're usually we're out at Daly Plaza, and this time you came to Michigan Avenue, the heart of retailing, high-end retailing in this area. Yes, the most iconic shopping district in Chicago. We are here. Why did you do that? Um... In part, it's nice to be indoors, um, but in larger part, just to really, this is our one event a year. We do events throughout the year. We speak in classrooms, on panels. We have discussions, but we also, um, and, and those generally people come who are really seeking out fair trade, and we love that, but this is the one day a year where we're just in a public space where we really like to just get people that are walking by, stumble upon us, don't know about fair trade, so this is our most public outward event like that, and Michigan Avenue, as you know, is a Chicagoan, there's people shopping from all over, locals, but lots of tourists too, and we just want to get the word of fair trade out to all of them. You've got a really cool uh, thing, a a high-end boutique uh, thing going on as well. We do have a high-end boutique thing going on, yes. A luxury luxury pop-up shop boutique at 900 North Michigan Avenue that opened this morning at 10 and it will run through the weekend. Well, it's super fun, and I'm glad that you're doing it. I'm glad to see so many energetic people around here uh, operating for ethical commerce. I was out with the kids from St. Athanasius earlier. On uh, We're going to play a little tape of that. And they're super fun, and they are super charged up. they got some great teachers, and they're learning about labor issues. It's fantastic. Yeah, they were studying child slavery all year, so they were very happy to have the opportunity to come here and hand out fair trade chocolate and talk about the importance of ethical chocolate. Well, let's talk about uh, 
fashion and what's going on with high-end fashion. We've got some terrific guests here. Uh, Jamie Hayes is here. She's the founder of Production Mode. She is known as the queen of slow fashion. And Chicago Magazine named Jamie Hayes one of Chicago's 20 women at the top of their game. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> if anyone ever told me I was at the top of my game, I'd, I'd run the other way. It's just downhill from here, Jerome. <laughs> um, you, you're, tell us what slow fashion is. What are you talking about? So slow fashion is very influenced by the slow food, food movement. So as a slow food chef would think about you know, provenance of materials and relationships with farmers and quality of materials, we're doing the same things. So we're thinking about um, where the materials we use come from, the labor that we use, so human rights, but also effect on the planet. And it's really an emphasis on quality over quantity. Um, and how the pieces make you feel. So kind of a real uh, sensory experience and really enjoying fashion on that level rather than kind of just blatant consumerism, which in the end doesn't make anybody feel all that great. I was looking at some of your uh, items online, and you went with a line with heavy wool, mm-hmm. kind of blankety, be in, in part a, a response to the era we're living in. Definitely. Um, as a fashion designer, we're very influenced by the zeitgeist, and we, I feel, really kind of feel things happening uh, before we're even totally conscious of, of what's happening politically or socially. Um, so we're really kind of tuned in. So thinking about pieces that really make you feel protected and cocooned, but also powerful, I think is really important for this time. And then also being a, a longtime Chicagoan, having a nice wool piece is useful, unfortunately, even in May sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's so interesting that you source from people right here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So the wool, there you you got the wool from these this latest line here in Chicago from Chicagoans and probably some sheep out here locally. <laughs> we haven't gotten to that part of the supply chain yet, but it is sourced from the U.S., so that was great. But the uh, the weaving mill, um, which is a new small scale industrial mill located um, right near my workshop in in Humboldt Park, um, produced all of the textiles for the collection for me and we worked in collaboration with a Mexico City based artist named Nuria Montiel so it's really about artist collaboration but also um, keeping our funds in the local economy and really being able to be transparent about where we source our materials and having relationships and building relationships with those providers who are true artists that's super cool and there's a leather uh, tannery too is that what I call mm-hmm. it a leather tannery that that's you work exactly with that's here correct. here in this area Yes, so we work with Horween Tannery to source our leather. They're at Armitage and Elston, so also down the street from our studio. They're the last tannery left in Chicago. They've been around since 1905, and they're actually uh, a union shop. So, again, we know that our money is staying in the economy and, um, and that workers are being treated fairly. And also, uh, it's an environmentally friendly tannery. They use vegetable tan leather, and they completely recycle all of their water. They have a water treatment plant on site, so it's a complete closed loop. So that's really great, too, because leather production can be very water-intensive. What do you think about when you come to Michigan Avenue, somebody who's going to great lengths to do ethical, slow fashion, and... Uh, here, it seems it, everything is con- it, it's a lot different most of the time. 
Indeed. But as Catherine said, I really love being on Mag Mile. The Magnificent Mile has this real cachet in the American imagination. So kind of to take that over and get people to think about something deeper than just consumerism and really uh, a connection and meaning to their clothes and the people who make the clothes and the effects on the environment and how they feel when they're wearing those clothes is very important. So I've been saying that we're going to march down Michigan Avenue during our fashion show that's going to happen at 115, um, really in the belly of the fast fashion beast. So being out there and showing an alternative is, is something really exciting to me. Uh, let's talk about the fashion show that's coming up, and Jamie Hayes is going to be in it. Uh, she's got a couple pieces from production mode in it. And also the MC is here, Andrea Dennis. She is Green Arch Outreach Coordinator. Nice to see you. Great to have and you. And Chicago Fair Trade Board Member. Chicago Fair Trade Board Member, too. Yes. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Uh, what does it mean what, to have a fair trade fashion show? Uh, it seems like something that, uh, I mean, you guys have been doing a few of these, and you've been involved with all of them. Uh, how, do, how does it make you feel? Well, I like to bring the sizzle factor to fair trade. It's really about celebration and actually being in the clothes and being with the accessories and just seeing how it feels to be empowered in that way, to know the story of what you're wearing and to celebrate it. So what is going to happen at 115? There's going to be how many people are doing what? So we're going to have several different looks. We'll have 14 different looks featuring fair trade accessories and clothing made by a lot of companies right here in Chicago. And we've got professional models. So wow. gone are the days of recruiting our friends. <laughs> the, um, and it's happening in the 4th Presbyterian Church here. And they're warming up on the organ now as we, as we broadcast. Um, and so you've got plenty of room for people if they want to come down for the event at 115. Absolutely. Take your lunch break. Meet us here, 1.15 p.m., Fairtrade Fashion Show. Uh, tell us something about how you think fashion's changed over the years and the, how some sense of responsibility might be eking in there. Well... I remember back in about eight years ago when I started getting into fair trade and there were really so few outlets um, and accessibility was really slim. And now you can go into Target and you can get fair trade shea butter, shampoos and conditioners and fair trade underwear. And a lot of stores like Eileen Fisher are becoming more prominent. And people are really asking the questions. Like Jamie said, it's connecting the food movement and the fashion movement. And a few years ago, I remember actually seeing Jamie me speak at a Greenheart event and years later the true cost of fashion came out on Netflix and everybody's just more aware as they like to say everybody's getting more woke to fair trade so there's some gigantic kind of retailers who are really dabbling in it now um, Catherine what, what sure. who, who are we talking about here uh, Patagonia um, is definitely a big player they got into fair trade three years ago their line of I think 30 out of a thousand pieces three years ago were fair trade from a fair trade certified factory they started working with and this year uh, almost 500 of their thousand products are fair trade certified Athleta which is owned by the Gap around the corner they're participating today on Oak Street they have now fair trade uh, yoga wear from a fair trade certified factory that they started working with in 2017 in India uh, West Elm we have a ex display of theirs uh, a dining room table set with, uh, which is fair trade, set with fair trade wares on um, top of 
uh, tabletop at, at our luxury pop-up shop. So there are more and more retailers getting into the fair trade market. And as I always say, too, it's consumer-driven. It's because, as Andrea said, you know, I mean, people are, are wondering more, are more woke. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. But And, and, and starting to... <laughs> to think more about where things are coming from, which has been what we've been doing since we started in 2006 is getting people to just start thinking about their purchasing power, where they're, what they're buying, and how they can use their money for good. Uh, tell us more about Greenheart. Uh, people might be familiar with the shop on Dearborn. Uh, Wells. Wells, is it? Oh, I, I go 1714 there. 1714 North Wells. It's got a great bike lane. I go right up there. Uh, and, but it's a lot more than that. Yeah, so Greenheart International, greenheart.org, is a nonprofit here in Chicago. We've kind of flown under the radar for several years, and we do cultural exchange, exchange students coming to the U.S., Americans going abroad, fair trade, and purpose work. So that's greenheart.org, all about what it means to be a global leader. So you take people to see fair trade operations in action. Well, we have specific volunteer programs that sometimes have social enterprise themes to them. We don't lead specific fair trade trips, but something in the future. <laughs> um, now, fashion is something... Um, how, do you think there's any pressure on the people who are really into fast fashion? It, it, does H&M feel it? Definitely. Jamie? Yes. So, um, they from time to time commit to changing their practices, which be, would be really, really great. But there, it's, it seems like it's always just a couple years out in the future. And there's really no reason why they couldn't change it now. Um, the cost would not be big to them. And really, I think it's up to us as consumers to say, now, enough is enough. Well, and, and Fashion Revolution, um, which is a worldwide movement that, that arose after the collapse of the... Uh, factory in Rana Plaza in which 1,134 apparel workers were killed. Uh, since that time, they, they've been coming out every year with a, a transparency index, and that comes out in April 20, on April 24th, the anniversary of the death. And they just came out saying, I mean, they're still not doing great, but the major retailers are moving slowly towards more transparency because they're being asked to, they're being told, to, they're being pushed to by consumers. So there is a movement in that direction, slow but in in the right direction. And especially in terms of health and safety, so they've, they've done a lot of work on that. Worker pay hasn't budged a lot. The right to organize has not really shifted. But I'd also like to bring up that another aspect of fast fashion that is problematic, even if workers are paid a living wage, which we're a very long way from, is just this idea that clothing is disposable and what that does on our environment and what that does to us as consumers. Um, we really need to place more meaning on what we wear and make sure that it lives our values. Uh, it's, it seems like there is an emphasis on uh, like fair trade factories now, and you can get clothes that are made from, I am wearing a shirt that is from a fair trade factory, and I guess I feel good about that, that there's fair trade certification in, in factories now, but I, I, I kind of, um, I'm curious about what it really means. Well, it's a newer thing. It's I believe the first was maybe three years ago that there was actually a factory that received a fair trade certification from Fair Trade USA. So it's still in a very in its infancy, but um, and like any any movement or anything like this, there's room for improvement. There's room for growth. But I think it's very much a step in the right direction. I, I would also say that um, 
you know, there's a lot of breadth and depth in fashion. So some is handmade by artisans, some is made in factories. But I want to mention something that people don't always understand is that really all fashion is handmade. It's still super labor intensive. So there's always a human hand behind it, whether they're using an industrial machine or hand stitching. Or, you know, so this kind of idea of a factory is... Um, it, sometimes it's uh, a lot of things are made in someone's basement with 10 workers, you know, or sometimes there's thousands of workers in a, in a factory. So especially things that are made in the U.S., the factory may not look like what we think a factory looks like. Yeah, I think it's almost a, a barrier to understanding what's really going on uh, with fashion and clothes and air clothes in general. Uh, I think everybody thinks they're almost made by Robots, in factories, right. machines, that big things that um, it, I have no idea. It's they say the apparel industry, I, I believe, is the is the largest in, the second, industry in in the in the world. I think the second most labor intensive in the yeah. world is the statistics. So there's there's millions of people working in the garment industry. In fact, one in six people work in the global fashion industry in the world, and eighty five percent are women, and mostly women of color. Where, where, is most of the, where does most of it come from? Does it all come from South Asia or something? Yes, a large part of it. Not most. So China, um, Bangladesh, India, Pakistan. Um, but it basically, we talk about fashion, um, especially fast fashion, as a race to the bottom. So it tends to find the poorest and most easily exploitable population. So I always try to emphasize to people, you know, we all care about eradication of poverty and you know, improving the lives of, of women and girls. And if we want to do that, a great place to look is, is fashion Our for closet. that reason. Yes, exactly. exactly. Well, so, and, and at 5.30, we have a panel um, that both these lovely women will be participating in, which is uh, ethical closet is a feminist action. Oh, that's provocative, at isn't it? At 900 North Michigan Avenue on the fourth floor at North Shore Exchange, which is a luxury consignment boutique, which is another option, too, that we talk about when Jamie's talking about you know, I mean, also in, in, in the United States in the past 20 years, our fashion consumption has gone up 400%. We're buying 400, four times more clothing than we did 20 years ago. You're kidding. I am not. I am not. I'm buying less. I believe you. <laughs> You're part of the change, Jerome. Uh, do, a lot of people seem to buy used clothing now and think that that's you know, making a difference I mean, if, if we're not just going to a store and buying new stuff all the time, is that good? Yes. I think it's really important to use what we already have out there in the clothing stream and also to you know, make do and mend and care for things that you have, resole your shoes, replace the buttons on your clothes, get them taken in, let out, like we used to when clothing had more value to, uh, to us. So that's all part of this mix. Um, we would say that there's definitely, if you read a book like Overdressed or um, watch The True Cost, you'll see that there are some complexities in um, donating your used clothes. So it's not as easy as just, you know, hey, I dropped it off at Goodwill. Um, those, most of those clothes, there's, there's so many in the thrift shops now that they won't even hit the sales floor. And then often they're, they're shipped back to the countries where they came from, like Bangladesh, like many countries in Africa, and then... The problem is, is that there it ruins the local market. Exactly, and what irony that the people who manufacture these clothes then end up having to wear them are castoffs. You know, there's something really powerful in that message and problematic. 
one of the things that strikes me is that we're all pretty far away from... I mean, people used to make their own clothes, and uh, they used to... Uh, everybody knew how to... Somebody in the family knew how to sew. Uh, and now it's... That is something that isn't necessarily true anymore. We, we were just really far from uh, knowing what, uh, things about our clothes. So I love that about fair trade, that it really connects people to the makers and really helps them invest in that. So it's similar to you know going to a farmer's market or that kind of thing where you have more of a connection to it. But learning a little bit about sewing also helps you gauge quality and learn how to at least um, hem your pants or you know sew on that button and really uh, take care of things. Go ahead, Catherine. No, and it helps you also appreciate that, yes, there's always... Uh, uh, human being behind every piece that you are wearing and that it is requires skills and that people should be rewarded for their work doing it. Uh, Catherine, you, you had some kids um, doing a little bit of clothing work. I'm, I'm wearing one of the Chicago yes. Fairtrade shirts yes. that you guys hand silkscreen. Do you yes. have kids involved in, in we making did. some that stuff? We did. That was pretty exciting. Our volunteer, Holly Greenhagen, who we, we, we were thinking in part, we have a lot of volunteers this year. This is a bigger event than we've done, so we had a 100 volunteers, and we thought we don't have time or the money to make 100 Fairtrade t-shirts in the next two weeks or three weeks. So we had um, a donation left over from thrift store savers had given us a whole bunch of blank used t-shirts and so we went to the Whitney Young students from Ann Michelle Boyle's class went to Lill Street Gallery and worked with Nora who teaches silk screening there and we silk screened one of your new shirts see there you go you have yeah, another new so, shirt so we've that's got epical. like a handmade ethical shirt we do that's super cool and um this is fantastic. I'm so glad we're here. And I hope a lot of people get to come out to the Fourth Presbyterian Church and uh, experience. There is the straight-up uh, bazaar here. You've got there like is. 30 people, 20, yeah, over 30 groups. Yeah, over two dozen vendors. Also, at, starting at 1230, Farmer's Fridge sampling quinoa salad, fair trade quinoa salad for my iHeart quinoa, fair trade quinoa. Coming up after the break, we are going to have kids on the street and talk with uh, some of the young people from Evanston who are handing out fair trade chocolate. Thanks a lot to Catherine Bissell-Cordova, Executive Director of Chicago Fair Trade. Jamie Hayes, founder of Production Mode. Check out her stuff on the uh, Internet. It's super cool. Andrea Dennis is Greenheart Outreach Coordinator. And uh, thank you all, and we'll look forward to seeing you, Andrea, at the fashion show that's coming up a little later at 1.15. Thanks for joining us here on Worldview. I'm Jerome McDonald. You're listening to Worldview on WBEZ. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. It's World Fair Trade Day, and we are out at Water Tower, and we're right in front of the old Water Tower, the real Water Tower, and people are giving out uh, chocolate here, and we're going to talk about what's going on. It's a beautiful day. There's a lot of kids who've got thousands of pieces of chocolate, and with me is Sarah Levesque. She's a chocolate executive, as is Licia Lima, another chocolate executive here with Chicago Fair Trade. Great to meet you guys. Yeah, it's nice to meet you, too. Uh, Tell us about yourselves. You're grad students at DePaul? Yeah, so we are actually both in the Masters of Sustainable Management program at DePaul University. Um, And we are taking a food justice class right now to learn about the things that Fairtrade is talking about. How did you get hooked up with these young people? 
So actually, uh, the Chicago Fair Trade connect us with these two schools uh, where you have high school kids and we do have as well um, elements, elementary schools as well. And that is why we connect with them. These are kids from St. Athanasius School here at, uh, and they're all in their red sweaters and they've got St. Athanasius on them and half of them are wearing fair trade stuff and their, their job here is to do what exactly? To pass out fair trade chocolate to everybody that's coming through the area and to raise awareness. Um, we have indoor vendors, so we're hoping to maybe draw some people in there for Mother's Day shopping. Now, uh, the chocolate has a message on them. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about the message there, Alicia? Uh, so here we are saying that uh, the facts about fair trade chocolate. One sad fact is that more than 2 million children work under illegal and often very dangerous conditions in Cocoa. They are not able to go to school, and uh, this is a child labor, and it is not acceptable. An easy solution, a half solution for that, is to choose fair trade chocolate. When you buy fair trade chocolate, you are supporting fair ages, safe working conditions, and getting children to school. And other thing that you are supporting sustainable development in uh, South countries as Africa, because most of the chocolates comes from there. What are you guys going to do with your degrees? What do you think you're, what, what do you want to do when you get out and you, you build sustainable world? Well, I'd like to become a sustainability coordinator. Um, so working on inside a corporation or a small company and helping them go green from the inside out. And I would like to do the same, but more focus in food productions or farm agriculture. Uh, I think like we need to be aware of where our food comes from. And I feel like this is important for everybody. All right. Well, let's have some fun out here. Let's give some chocolate away. Sarah's going to give a little pep talk to everybody, and then we'll see how they do at uh, passing out chocolate to people in the streets. Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah, and this is Lizia, and we're going to be your go-to people today, okay? We just want to introduce ourselves, so if anybody's asking questions that you're not sure of the answers to, send them to us, okay? What are some things that you guys are going to try and say to tell people about fair trade? Can you give me some examples? We do fair trades because, like, it takes opportunities away from people. Like, example, for kids, they can't go to school because they're always, like, in the farms or something, like, trying to get, the, like, chocolate for people. That's excellent. Very good. Well, a lot of people are here to shop, so you could tell them that there's, like, an alternative to, like, all the, the fashion stores, like, just a block away. Y'all are ready to go. Thank you for coming in, but let's go and get some chocolate out, okay? We're out in front of the water tower and talking to people from St. Athanasius who are sent, handing out fair trade chocolate to people. Hi, what's your name? Uh, Nicholas. What's your name? Parker. Jacob. Nice going, guys. Did you guys learn about fair trade in the class? Oh, yeah. Um, we have been taking a humanities class all year, learning about child labor and fair trade items and stuff like that. So uh, we're here to help. What really stuck with you about the class? Uh, we really enjoyed learning about what's going on and like things we never knew about earlier. Hi, uh, who are you? Um, my name is Mary Quish. And you're with St. Athanasius? I'm a teacher and assistant principal at St. A's, yes. Um, how did this happen, getting involved with fair trade and doing classes on humanities class? Well, you know, we, um, my colleague and I, Debbie Johnson, were American Memory Fellows at the Library of Congress way back in the late 1999. And um, part of that was that we had to bring our mission about primary sources 
to our children. And so we do this humanities class every year. It's an, it's an elective. So it's sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. They come in early, two mornings a week. They get there at 7 a.m. Oh, they didn't tell us that. Yes. They did say that I was talking to a couple, and they said that they, they elected to do this. Yes, yeah, so two mornings a week, they're there at 7. So they're there an hour and a half before school starts. And then they give up lunch and recess. We do kind of a working lunch. So we started out with the Lewis Hine collection for child labor. And then we moved into contemporary. So we read Iqbal, and we we did a lot of contemporary research. They made public service announcement iMovies about child labor, and what they discovered was fair trade was one of the ways they could help eliminate child labor. So it really resonated with them that these were children, and they um, really got into it. And then several of our students were nominated and accepted into the Illinois Holocaust Museum Leadership Day. And so they went and they had to come up with an action plan based on that. They were charged to be the change. And they came back and they said, we want the humanities class to get involved with fair trade. So they organized a fair trade assembly at school. And they had people from Evanston Fairtrade, and Phyllis Nicklin was with us, too, from the Chicago Fairtrade. And they came and presented, and then our students presented some of their iMovies to their classmates and parents. And then this was just kind of the final step in it, that they're now out here trying to do what they can to end child labor. So we're really proud of them. And they're having a good time doing it, it looks like. Some of these guys are deci- have decided to take to Michigan Avenue itself and confront cars. They're, they're showing a Mercedes-Benz, some, uh, <laughs> some, some fair trade chocolate bags. Uh, and uh, I'm going to talk to a couple yeah, of these taxi, guys and yeah, see what happens. The taxi guys, yeah. The taxi guys are receptive, huh? They are very receptive, yes. But we're proud of all of them. They're wonderful students and they're committed. And they are being the change, which is... All we can ask for. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. We're out at the old Water Tower Plaza, and the kids from St. Athanasius School are handing out chocolate, and I've got four young women in front of me. I'm Katie Kirkland. I'm Claire Henthorne. I'm Franny Brady. I'm Jane Watson. From St. Athanasius. What grade are you guys in? We're in seventh grade. So do you guys get to do this instead of school today? Yeah. Yeah. And is that a good thing? Yes. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing good. We, I think, have passed out around 15 chocolate bags in total, which is fantastic. And we're, and we're so happy to be supporting Fair Trade in Chicago today. You know, it's interesting to watch the people come by and see you guys. And some seem to you know, break out in smiles and stuff. And other people just clam right up, walk, walk, walk right through. Uh, have you met anybody yet that knows something about Fair Trade? Yes, we have. There was one man that passed us that said that he had been involved in child labor, but he didn't take any chocolate. (sighs) Wait a minute, he was involved in child labor? (laughs) Yes, we didn't get any more information from him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hopefully he was involved in helping stop child labor rather than uh, (laughs) create child labor. (laughs) So what did you guys do in school to talk about this before you came out? Uh, We basically, we all signed up for an extra class together, and the theme of the class this year was child labor, and so we got an education on child labor and basically what it was like in the very early on, and then we also got an education on child labor in modern day, 
and now and we also made some PSA videos to stop child labor and some of the people from the fair trade uh, the Chicago fair trade came and saw our videos and they really enjoyed them so now we're here and we're passing out chocolate which is really fun and uh, what did you learn about uh, child labor in different places uh, around the world uh, we learned that there is ch- there is like different child labor everywhere there's agriculture there's factories there was canneries it's really everywhere you can find it in the u.s but you can also find it in many places like we found a lot of it in africa and places like afghanistan we found a lot of it in asia and places like india it's really all over the world and it's really something that i believe we should all come together and we should put an end to it all right so if you're by the water tower sometime this afternoon and you see a bunch of children with little white bags of chocolates uh you'll know what it's all about they're they're passing out fair trade chocolate here at water tower they've got six thousand bags of chocolate that they're giving away to people After the break, we're going to be back at the 4th Presbyterian Church inside with all the fair trade groups that are there at the Fair Trade Bazaar. I'm Jerome McDonald, and you're listening to Worldview and WBEZ. This is Worldview on WBEZ. I'm Jerome McDonald. It's World Fair Trade Day, and we are at the Chicago celebration of World Fair Trade Day here at the Fourth Presbyterian Church on Michigan Avenue. We're having a great time with those young people from St. Athanasius who are on Michigan Avenue handing out fair trade chocolate samples. And we're going to talk more about building good global citizens. With me again is Catherine Bissell Cordova, Executive Director of Chicago Fair Trade, and Anne Michelle Boyle, a teacher at Whitney Young High School. Great to see you guys. Great to see you. Now, um, it was heartwarming. Uh, We did a segment uh, on fair trade earlier this year, um, and um, Anne Michelle heard this segment, and I want to hear the full story. Catherine, you start. Sure. It was in November, mid-November, and Nazarene Sheikh, who has been on your program a couple times, but this was the first time she was on. She was a child laborer in a sweatshop in a garment sweatshop in Nepal around age nine um, and has a very very powerful story and we had her in she was coming and for being a special keynote speaker at our annual gala in which you received our award Jerome our yeah. change maker award um, yeah so we were on the last segment I remember we were on segment C as you call it in the biz on this last segment we're, we're on it right now we're on it right now <laughs> And, yeah, and then I checked my emails at about, and, you know, your program ends at 1, and at about 1.05, I checked my emails, and there was, and Michelle Boyle had emailed Jerome and said, I don't even know their names, but I just heard your last two speakers, and I have to have that young woman in my class come and speak. And Jerome, being Jerome, emailed me back about one minute later. He emailed her back and looped me in and... And uh, two days later, Nazarene went to 
Anne Michelle's class and spoke. And what uh, nice to meet you. Nice and th- to meet, thanks yeah. for doing this. This is super great. It's wonderful. It's Thank my, you. It's my dream come true to do stuff on the radio and people take action. <laughs> um, so uh, what? So tell us about your class and why you think this is was an appropriate thing to latch on to here. For sure. Uh, so I teach uh, AP World History and Global Issues, Global Citizenship at Whitney Young. And our Global Issues, Global Citizenship class is all about studying the UN Sustainable Development Goals from a local and global perspective. And, you know, one of the solutions to so many problems in the world is going fair trade. And so when I heard your interview with Nazarene and Catherine, I was dying because it was so powerful. So that's prompted me to uh, spend some time on the internet to find your email, electronically introduce myself to you, to ask you to get in me to get me in contact with Catherine and then Nazarene. And two days later, Nazarene was speaking to 150 of our students, sharing her incredibly powerful story. And you know, a lot of our students um, changed the way they view fast fashion because of Nazarene. And so I'm so appreciative of you, of Catherine, and of course Nazarene. That's super cool. So 150 people. Got to hear her, and they all wrote her thank you notes. <laughs> they did. Yes. <laughs> uh, so now, how does that translate to your kids being here today? Sure. So I have uh, my global citizenship students with me today, passing out fair trade chocolate and talking about the importance of fair trade, both in the chocolate industry, but also in the apparel industry and everything else. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's so important to become a more conscious consumer. And for 99.9% of human history, we were totally connected with our food, with our clothes, with the stuff we consumed. In the past 70 years, that's radically changed, right? And so, you know, I think right now is an exciting time because I think the tides are shifting. And uh, it's awesome to have my students at, you know, the ground level being part of that shift. And I imagine it's going to be terrific for them to be here at the bazaar and meet so many people who are affiliated with really interesting projects. I've had a bunch of them on the show over the years, and they they all have fantastic stories about what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my students are incredible individuals, and they're so excited to be here today and to help promote fair trade and to also learn. And I think that's what's exciting about, you know, being alive in 2018 is that we see, you know, the youth and they're passionate about making change. I'm talking with Anne Michelle Boyle. She's a teacher at Whitney Young High School and Catherine Bissell Cordova is here, executive director of Chicago Fair Trade. We're on Michigan Avenue at the Fourth Presbyterian Church and uh, with us is Reverend Vicki Curtis, senior pastor here at the Fourth Presbyterian Church. Great to be here. Thanks for hosting this this year. You're welcome, and I'm actually an associate pastor, but... Oh, you're associate. <laughs> I gave you a promotion? You did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you deserve it after all this action that well, we're, we're, we're real, creating. we're really today. happy to be hosting this important event. Uh, you kind of run the fair trade ship around here for a while? True. What's it? What Have you seen a, a change, sea change go on with, with fair trade? Well, our church has actually sponsored a fair trade bazaar for over 15 years in December, so that when people think about Christmas shopping, they come here, and our location on Michigan Avenue is a really wonderful public place to bring awareness to people that may not know anything about fair trade, but also have lots of beautiful products to sell. And it grows out of our own Christian commitment to love neighbor, and part of loving neighbor is including being concerned about economic justice. So the wonderful thing about 
doing fair trade bazaars is that it educates people about the conditions that many people around the world are faced with and and an alternative to that through fair trade. So we're excited. And our denomination, the Presbyterian Church USA, also is very involved with fair trade. Um, We distribute coffee and also encourage congregations to use that in their fellowship hours, but also to sell other products like almonds or chocolate or mangoes. And then a percentage of all those sales goes directly into a denominational fund called Support Small Farmers. So it gets distributed directly to small farmers, as well as the, you know, the income from the products that are sold. It's been so interesting over the years, you know, when people heard about fair trade, a lot of times it was churches that were doing the, and they still do, the fair trade sales. But now you've got neighbors here on Michigan Avenue who have lines of fair trade clothing. That's kind of cool. It is really cool. And we're we're really excited to see the spread of the movement and retailers taking up, we're, you know, looking conscientiously into what products are, where they're coming from and how they're being produced and the working conditions of those producing them. And uh, what, what has happened with congregants? Do you think congregants think more... Uh, do more conscientious shopping now? I think so. And I think some of our people purposely wait to do any shopping for Christmas or perhaps other gifts that they're looking for until our Fair Trade Bazaar happens. Um, We not only have 10,000 villages from Evanston that comes in every December, but different individual vendors, some of whom may be refugees that have settled in Chicago and are sharing some of their products. And so there, there are also, it's also exposure to new communities within Chicago that are creating wonderful products. Catherine, how many churches are out there doing fair trade bazaars these days? There's a Ooh, bunch. There's uh, so many churches. Well, churches, synagogues. Yeah. There's very, very many congregations doing them. Um, and yeah, sometimes we'll say to them to try to spread them out. Sometimes they're, you know, there's more of them wanting to do them. You know, they'll want, they'll all want to do them on the first Sunday of November or something. <laughs> um, but I mean, from when we first started out uh, in 2006, when Chicago Fair Trade was founded, we were really encouraging congregations to do them. Now we're saying to some of the congregations, maybe two of you can join together and do it together and have more of an impact. Or you know, if we're a smaller congregation now, Fourth Pres is a very large congregation, but but for some of the smaller ones, sometimes they're joining together and promoting them throughout the town, too, and getting a lot of times, too, I think a lot of congregations see it as a way to carry out their mission, and a lot of times they want to carry out their mission beyond the walls of the congregation, and and a lot of them are getting the word out into the community and, and seeing it just as a way of carrying out, putting their faith into action. Right. We, we really see it as part of our global outreach. Uh, and Michelle Boyle, do, do you ever get students who come to you and say, yeah, well, we do this at our church, we, we heard about fair trade in our church? Not at the church, so to speak, but a lot of students are familiar with uh, fair trade before even being in my class. And um, I think that's just part of this larger movement. Uh, but I'm sure they are probably some of them exposed at, at the church or even you know, shopping at like Whole Foods and seeing you know, the Theo chocolate brand or you know, uh, Mata Traders, right? And I think that's what's exciting about this movement. You know, it's getting more and more um, 
conversation or documentaries like The True Cost, which my students and I watched, you know, a week ago. You know, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so many parts that are just exciting about this movement. Uh, when we talk about building new global citizens these days, um, and this has to be like a really big component of that. It's hard to believe that people teach um, social studies without it. Absolutely. Uh, I think that possibly in 30 years we'll look back today and think, oh, wow, I can't believe that everything wasn't fair trade, right? I mean, we, you know, everyone, well, every history teacher, right, studies um, the Atlantic slave trade and, oh, in the U.S. it ended in the 1860s or in Brazil it ended in the 1880s. But, you know, did slavery really end? No, it didn't, right? There's human trafficking that still exists. I actually had Marion Hatcher um, and her team at my school earlier in the week, right? Human trafficking still, yeah, human trafficking still exists, right? Um, child laborers are still, you know, in the Ivory Coast and having, um, you know, instead of getting an opportunity to get an education, they're wielding machetes all day so that we can get a dollar fifty chocolate bars. It's horrifying. So, I'm excited for the future because I think that there is a movement, um, and hopefully, everything will be fair trade um, someday. Are there a lot of classes like yours in the public school system? Um, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so this is my class is global issues, but I, I make all my students call it global citizenship because I created the curriculum for it, and uh, that's because I'm really passionate about uh, sustainable development goals and you know f- making the world a more peaceful place. I would say also, Anna Michelle's the dream teacher. Every oh, single thing I that I would that. well, no, but everything I would suggest. <laughs> hey, why don't you? You guys did a tour of Metropolis Roastery. We Metropolis did. is a member of Chicago Fair Trade, and I met them there and talked Fair Trade. And then we all got nice thank you notes. You're also raising them right that way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's saving a dying art. But um, but you. But everything I've suggested, you've done. It's been amazing. But I will also say that there is now a fair trade school status that schools can work towards. And fair trade campaigns, which I work closely with, have created, they've worked with a curriculum company that creates curriculum. And now there's a four-piece module where that high school and elementary schools can use. So, But we also realize teachers are very busy. So there's, there's a, a segment on environmental aspect of fair trade. There's one on gender equity, one on the economics you can use in a math class. So there are resources out there. So if there are any of you out there are listening and your teachers, are, um, contact us and we, we can help you bring fair trade into the classroom or into your congregation. We also have youth in our church that are required to do a certain number of community service hours as part of their school education and so at least the youth in our church oftentimes choose to volunteer with the fair trade bazaar or even teach some of the younger kids in our church school about fair trade wow that's so wonderful now, now, the whole idea of a fair trade uh, school, a fair trade certified school, what are the components of that? That's interesting. Well, That's it's it's not a certification, but it's a, it's it's a, a recognition. It's, it's an official designation. Designation is the term. It means that you do a few things. The first thing you do is build a committee. So you need students that are excited about it, but you also need some faculty. I'm looking at one I think would be wonderful at Whitney Young. 
um, but for continuity. Um, and then you need to do you need to source some fair trade products. Now they understand that when you're working with certain food service providers, it's in budget restraints. But so there's things though you could have twice in a semester. You could have serve fair trade at something. For example, during Teacher Appreciation Week, have fair trade coffee in the lounge, or you do an event one that's popular with younger kids and probably high school kids. They've done frozen bananas dip fair trade bananas dipped in chocolate. So and sell those at an event, or you know, so the PTO might be involved. Um, there needs to be some fair trade education going on. And then the last step will be that there needs to be uh, the administration signing off that they agree to it being a fair trade school. It's a newer designation so far in the Chicago area. Loyola Academy and Wilmette is a fair trade school. Um, it's a rather new thing, but it's something that we are also in Chicago. We have a lot of resources and having Chicago Fair Trade here, as Anne can attest, we'll, we're creative. We can think of ideas and Fair Trade can be very fun. So Absolutely. we can work with you to come up to tailor something that will work for you and your schedule to help you get some Fair Trade activities and events going on. And we've got wonderful speakers, these different business members here. They can come and talk about their work in Fair Trade. So there's a lot of ways we can help bring, bring it really to life in your congregation or in your school. Oh, that sounds, I think that sounds like a great idea, the, the, the whole school project. That's Me terrific. Too. And I, if people don't know, we are a fair trade city. We and this are. is something Chicago Fair Trade did to get city certification. It wasn't easy. We're the largest city. It took city three in, years. It took three years, and it was uh, a serious project. It was a serious project. We were declared a fair trade town designation, not certification, designation. I'm a word, you know, I'm, I'm big on that just because. I'm always having to tell people it's just, anyhow, but so we are a fair trade city, which means that, and for every 10,000 residents, if you're a city of a million or more, there's a formula, you need to have 300 outlets selling fair trade. That's pretty easy to do at this point because now you go into a CVS or a Walgreens, they're going to be selling Honest Tea and some junk, um, Barkthins, um, but you need 300 institutions serving fair trade. That one is the hardest piece, but that you have congregations that are serving fair trade. Um, then we had to have uh, City Hall pass a resolution as well as events and media. Well, I am super glad to have Chicago as a fair trade city, and I'm super glad to have a great fair trade celebration that comes to us every year. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Jerome, for covering it every year. Catherine, really appreciate it. Catherine Bissell Cordova is the executive director of Chicago Fair Trade, and people can come and see the fashion show that starts in like 15 minutes. One fifteen. Come, come on down. We are at the Fourth Presbyterian Church on Michigan Avenue. You've passed by it. You know where it is. Come on in and see a fashion show in 15 minutes. That sounds like fun. And uh, thanks very much for hosting us, Reverend Vicki Curtis uh, from the Fourth Presbyterian Woo! Church. This very has been much. awesome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And thanks very much, Anne Michelle Boyle, teacher at Whitney Young High School, raising good global citizens and uh, responding to important things on the radio. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Monday on Worldview, we're going to have a super good time uh, with Eurovision. Eurovision, the cheesy contest, is winding up, and we are going to go over the good, the bad, the ugly of Eurovision. Have a great weekend. I'm Jerome McDonald. You've been listening to Worldview on WBEZ. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.